You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. All right. Uh, morning, church. You guys, if you would, please take out your Bibles. We're going to be in Psalms, and so if you missed last week, you missed Church in the Park, which, man, I'm bummed for you. Uh, it was a little warm, so the AC is nice, but uh, we do these things. We, we brought them back. Potlucks, okay? I grew up doing some potlucks. Y'all know how to do a potluck. There was so much food, and it was awesome, and so we've got a few more of those scheduled throughout the summer just uh, to enjoy uh, outdoors and, and kind of get out of this room and, and have some fun, and so um, but Todd kicked us off in our uh, summer series. It's, it's, we're going through the Psalms, and so grabbing a few Psalms. And so Todd took us to Psalm 24 and really helped us see how that Psalm points to Jesus. Today we're going to be in Psalm 1, okay? So if you're opening your Bible, Psalm 1. And so there's 150 Psalms. This is the first one out of the gates. And so um, it's going to be fun to kind of unpack this together. And we're going to see kind of the main point. There's six verses But the reality that we're going to see and discover in Psalm 1 is that if we want things to go well in this life and in the life to come, we got to be anchored in the Lord. And so Psalm 1, starting in verse 1, he says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So let's look at verse one there. He says, blessed, this idea of like holy, set apart. I, for me, I, I think of like my mother-in-law's like no-no room, like these things that are, are set apart. Uh, you don't know what I'm talking about? Like that's where like the nice things are kept. And it's like kids, no-no, right? Don't go in there. Now you got it, right? So set apart. He's saying if you want to be set apart, if you want to be holy and differentiated, don't do these things. And so he starts in verse one, by, if you want to be set apart, part of that is by not doing some things. And what do you say? Don't do these things. Don't walk in the counsel of wicked. Don't stand in the way of sinners, nor sit at the seat of scoffers. I don't know what the original language, but I like how that works in the English, right? I feel like instead of a choir next week, we could turn that into more of like a rap or something, right? Walk with the wicked. You know where I'm going. Okay, so this idea is he's saying, don't do these things. Don't walk, stand, sit, aka do life with people who are against God. That's what he's saying is these people, they're, they're against the Lord. And it makes sense when you look at someone who is wicked or a sinner. The, the one I had to look up is, is this idea of scoffer. How is that? What, what, what is it that? We don't use that a whole lot. By definition, Someone who is a scoffer is someone who jeers or mocks or treats something with contempt. Hey, to me, I, I think of somebody that's like pessimism with antagonistic towards things and just kind of this attitude. He's saying if you hang out with people that are opposed to God in these ways, rest assured, 1 Corinthians 15, bad company will corrupt good character. It's where you get the phrase like, you run with dogs, you're going to get fleas. And so this idea that if you're hanging out with somebody that is against God, shouldn't it be a surprise that you yourself won't find yourself being blessed and set apart? Saying, don't do these things. 
And now here's, as I was like, oh, hanging out with wicked people. And really it's, it's not just associating, but doing life. Like this is the crowd you run with, those that are wicked or sinners. But the scoffer one, as I looked in that one, I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily hang out with scoffers, but I find myself actually having that attitude at times. Again, that pessimistic, antagonistic kind of attitude. And for me, that was convicting reading that because I'm like, wow, that's right in there with sinner and wicked, okay? And so um, what he's saying is, if you want to be set apart, don't do these things. And moreover, shouldn't be doing life with those that are wicked, sinning scoffers. It goes on in verse two, though, to say, but delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That is the person that wants to be blessed. And so we can't just notice the transition. Initially, it starts out with, don't do these things. But he moves on to the do's. And I think religious people want to stop at the don'ts. And I use that term kind of negatively. A religious person is, is simply defined by what they don't do. It's like, no, I don't do that. And I don't do that. It's like, but do you do anything? Like, the, we got a transition here in the psalmist. In verse 2, transitions like, he's going to do these things. And what is it that he's doing? Delighting in the law of the Lord. What he's talking about here is, is Exodus 20, 10 commandments, Leviticus, like, the law of the Lord. That's the part in your Bible reading plan that oftentimes people are like drop out. They're like, really? Like the law, is he just going through that? Saying somebody that's blessed, set apart, they're one who not only kind of plows through that, but delights in the law of the Lord. Now that <clears throat> requires some explanation. Like how can someone delight in the law? Let's take man-made laws parking laws, right? You know what I'm talking about? We've got a downtown area. I still have not downloaded like the app that feeds the meters. And so just use like the coins and you're, you're like the, the $6 cup of coffee just got more expensive because you got to feed the meters. Okay. So think of parking laws. Just, I'm not talking all the traffic laws in general, right? There's a lot of them, but just parking laws, now, do you delight in those? <clears throat> now, I want you to think about this. What if, what if they got rid of all, the, they, they no longer enforce those parking laws? And the, none of that was enforced anymore. Like, that'd be great. But would it? Because you know, like, you know, as soon as they got rid of those meters, like, somebody would, like, double park and just, like, block you in. And there'd be, like, People that are just lazy, that are just pulling up in like the handicapped spot and like genuinely like people in wheelchairs would like be parking clear on the other end. Like it would be a zoo. Like if you think if they did away with that on campus, you know there'd be some redneck students just driving up in their four-wheel drive trucks, like parking next to the pillars. It would be anarchy. Like if you just got rid of like the parking laws. But the fact that, that you got to feed the meter a little bit of money and that they have painted lines, like, it brings about freedom. Like, it, I, I, does that make sense? Like, if you meditate on it, I know in your heart, you're like, really? But they're really a good thing. And you're thankful. I know sometimes you don't want them to apply to you. But the reality is, is, is even just meditating on that, you're like, hmm, that, 
that's good. <laughs> like in general, that is good. God's law saying if you want to be blessed, God's law is good. It brings about freedom. Meditating on that is what somebody that wants to be set apart, that is what they're going to do. And so think about it in this regard. This God, there's a lot of God's laws, right? Just take purity, for example, sexual purity. God says, you shall not commit adultery. Hey, you shall not have somebody that's not your own spouse. If we would abide by that, the level of freedom that comes from that, saving yourself fully for marriage, you would only know one person. So there wouldn't be this comparison of your spouse to past relationships. It would be the best intimacy of your life because It'd be the only intimacy you know. There wouldn't be, again, this comparison. There would be no baggage from past breakups and relationships. And so he's saying, meditating on that, the freedom that it, that it would bring, it does bring. Man, God, your law is good. Think of the freedom that comes from not coveting, not lying. Even just lying, man. I remember going through a phase where where you're lying, that, that is not freedom. You're trying to think, well, now what did I tell you and what did I tell you and how do I keep all these stories straight? Just obeying God's law brings freedom, not stealing. So in the same regards, that parking in the right spot downtown, feeding the meter, you shouldn't have worries. Not at least about your car, right? If you live life parked in a towaway zone, you're right to be worried. You live life apart from God and his law, there should be a right fear and consternation that you feel. But obedience to God's law brings about right relationship with God and right relationship with others. And so what he's saying is if you want to, this is Psalm 1, a book of wisdom literature, saying if you want a smart thing here, meditate on God's laws. And that brings about this blessing in freedom. And he goes on to say, if you're doing that, that person in verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons and its leaves do not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Okay, do you get the, the visual, right, of the, this tree? I've got a slide Brock can show it. This is my tree. The crazy thing about trees is like you see all the stuff up top, but what you don't see is like the roots down below. And so he is, again, writing this, the context, this would have been in the Holy Land. This is a more arid climate, okay? Their trees there are not quite like the trees in Missouri. Y'all, we got some like mutant trees in Missouri <laughs> experiencing this. I, I, Dallas and I mean, we were doing some yard work. Hack these trees down this spring but didn't like put anything on the stump. And already Missourians were like, oh, shame, shame. Learn. They're like bigger than when I cut them down. Just mutant trees. They just grow, right? I don't know something. But here, trees, you look up like trees in the Holy Land. They don't look like Missouri trees, okay? They got to fight a little bit harder. But he's saying a tree planted by like these streams of water They have an endless supply. The sunshine, man, it's there in that climate. But this water is what they would be missing. He's saying, one who delights in the law of the Lord, they're going to be like that tree 
planted by water. They're going to bear fruit. They're not going to wither. They're going to prosper. That is what it's like being planted in God's word, meditating on his law, prosperous in all he does. And he contrasts that in verses four and five. The wicked, (laughs) they're not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of righteousness. Okay, you have this idea of a tree in all of its majesty, deeply rooted, bearing fruit with chaff. (laughs) We don't use that a whole lot, but I brought some chaff in with me. Uh Uh-huh. Stony Creek is not going to like this. Um, This is chaff. You're like, that's straw. Yes, this is... This is uh, the byproduct of when you harvest the grain. Chaff is like what is left over. And so this was oats at one time. They harvest the oats. And this is like kind of what is left. You see it just kind of crumbling, right? I use this. I seed it down my yard and like put some straw up on top. Seed's going to come. Beautiful. Can't wait. But this is, this is some of the, the byproduct of that. And so what they would... <laughs> the band, you guys got to mess up here. Uh, it, what they would do is, is they would be harvesting wheat, barley, things like that. This is, again, oats. And so what you would do is you would take the grain from the, the stalk, and this is kind of what's left over. is like the little uh, fines like around the grains, the stalk itself. And so as they would harvest this out of the field, they would bring it, and usually kind of on a, a hill, someplace where it would catch wind. And what they do is like, pound it until uh, the, the kernels kind of came out, but it would be mixed with the chaff. They didn't have like big old harvester combines back in the day, right? So they were their like human combine. And so they would kind of be all in a pile. And then what they do is just take like a winnowing fork and just throw it up in the air. And the wind would like catch the chaff because this is the light part and just kind of blow it out. And the seed, the kernels that were heavier, they would fall down. And so he's saying, wicked people, you are like this. You see, just blow out like that. You're like the, the chaff. You're not, contrast that with the tree that is anchored, that's got these deep roots, that's bearing fruit. He's saying the wicked, I don't know of a more stark comparison. Chaff, like these fines that are next to the grain. That's what you are like, and when the wind comes, it's just going to blow you away. And here's the thing. It's not that, man, I know some wicked people that are strong, <laughs> but they're just anchored in things that cannot withstand. Does that make sense? It's like you're not anchored in the Lord. That's why we can have these deep roots because God, he's the same yesterday as he is today as he will be tomorrow. I mean, he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and so being anchored in him, you can truly draw some deep roots. But being anchored in things apart from God, that is like chaff. This idea that if your hope and what you're putting your identity in is money, I mean, money can be here today, gone tomorrow. If it's external beauty, if it's in things like a career, or if it's uh, in cars, relationships, All of that is ultimately not going to be helpful and it's not going to withstand. Not even in this life. It's fleeting. To me, it's like um, thinking of fashion trends, not just, but like even 
ways that people decorate their homes, right? Like, it seems great at the time, but it's pretty fleeting. Like, can you imagine? There was a day that somebody said, you know what I want? It's popcorn ceilings. Just, just popcorn the whole thing. Just make it look like, pop, like, like just popcorn everywhere up on my ceilings. I, that would be awesome. And everybody like did that. And now you walk into a home with popcorn ceilings. You're like, what were they thinking? Shiplap will be popcorn ceilings one day. Like, I know it's hard. Joanna Gaines got a corner market on that. But, but one day people are going to walk in and like, this must have been in that time of fixer upper was big. Rip it out, you know, like. <laughs> but these trends, like, they come and go. They're, they're not constant. But, but even, I'll, let me grant you this. Hypothetically, let's say your shiplap never goes out of style. And you always have enough money in your bank account. Your car never breaks. All the things that, like, you're putting your hope and your trust in, they get you through this life and never let you down. Hypothetically. <laughs> You understand that it doesn't seem likely, but hypothetically, let's say you're anchored and that chaff never gives way. What he says here, though, <laughs> is, oh, it will, if not in this life, in the next life. Because even if you can find a way to be anchored in those things and milk out your joy and happiness in this life, they will not help you in the next life. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of righteousness. They will give way. Judgment is coming. And the reality, how will he give way? Because you will stand before an all-powerful, eternal God on the day of judgment. You say, what was your hope in? What were you anchored in? And we will stand before him and we'll give an account. Is it, God, I'm anchored in you. Your relationships, what Jesus has done. That's where I find my identity. That's where my hope is. My life, my, my pocketbook, my time, all that reflects. That's where my hope is meant. Ours are hope in, in chaff-like things that will not stand. John Piper uses this illustration uh, of a couple who wanted to live out their final days in retirement on the, the beaches of Florida and ended up just collecting seashells. That's what they did. Woke up, had the breakfast, went out and collected seashells. Can you imagine at the end of retirement, as you pass away, standing before God, and you're like, hey, God, look, seashells. I don't think God will be impressed by your shells, right? And, and those things, if, you, if your hope is in them, it's not like, you know, money, after you die, money's like, oh, you know, God won't let you into heaven, I know. He's kind of like that. Don't worry, I have a life after life plan for you. Right, just, just have, your, have your hearse, just pull your U-Haul, and you can bring them with me in, in my eternity that I've created. Like Those little G gods are not eternal. There, there's not some alternative, if you put your hope you know, in, in those things, that they have something waiting for you. God holds life after life. To him, you will be accountable. What is our hope in? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, he says in verse 6, but the way of wicked will perish. And here's the main point again. If we want things to go well in this life and in the life to come, we have to be anchored in the Lord. Say all that, Psalm 1, and for the most part, for y'all, it's like, that's not new information. Like, that's our sermon today? I understand that it's not necessarily new information, but 
but we haven't really talked about the application. How are we doing applying that, being anchored in the Lord, which holds promise in this life and the life to come? To not be chaffed, the psalmist said that we need to be planted next to the source, that we need to be delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it. That is how we have deep roots. So let me ask you, again, you're like, this is not new information. So let me ask you then, how are you doing delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on it? That presupposes that you actually know God's law, right? Do you know God's law, are you thinking about it? How close are you to God? Another way to ask that is saying, uh, do you know God's law, what he said? Because reality, it's hard to say, I love God. I just don't know what he said or what he's asking of me. Does that make sense? Do you know God's law, his commands? Jesus said it like this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you know what Jesus is commanding us to do? How can we keep what we don't know? And that's why at Anthem Church, our vision is to help people know, love, and obey. It's reality that we have to know God if we're going to, from that heart, love him and obey him. So we focus, we want to push our people to better know God. And it's not just, it's not enough to just say, you need to love God more. You need to love God more. If you knew him and you knew his commands and you could meditate on those things, the love will flow from that. And here's, it's on this misconception that once we invite Jesus into our life, it's just like you invite Jesus in and say, God, please forgive me. My trust is in you. This misconception is like getting on an escalator. It's like, you just got to do, take the first step, and then it just takes you the rest of the way, right? This misconception that I'll just accept Jesus, and I'll just grow, be more mature, my troubles will be farther behind me, and then just, everything's good. No, like, you want to talk about, like, what's natural? Sinning is natural. Getting angry is natural, being impatient, being self-absorbed, that's what comes natural. If we just let go, that's what happens. Because by nature, we are sinful. And so by nature, we're not going to just naturally become more holy and more like God. So we're like, well, well, really? Yeah, that's why so much of the New Testament is written to churches, pushing them to pursue God more, to, to, to turn from their sin. Living life for God by the Spirit, that takes work. Jesus said it like this, if you're going to follow me, you must take up your cross daily to follow me. It's this conscious decision to follow him, pursue him. And this is relevant, and this is why we had to talk about the application part of this Psalm 1. It's like meeting with a guy just last week. It's like, man, this is hard. I feel like I'm a seed on rocky soil. I can spring up fast, but to withstand I'm thinking of this Psalm 1 and the tree with the roots. Like, right, we have to be planted next to the stream, cultivating these disciplines that are necessary to better know God. So that's why we talk about, hey, how's your Bible reading going? Not to be legalistic, but to know that if we're going to better know God, knowing his word is a part of that, memorizing it 
praying, all these things help us better know God and have relationship with him. For me, oftentimes, a great way is through community, discussion. I'm an oral processor. And so opening God's word and talking about it with others. I mean, I get giddy. I get super excited in our connection group when we're opening the Bible, talking about those things, because that's how I learn and better come to know and love Lord. It's going to be work. Jesus said it like this in John 15, 5. says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If we're going to bear fruit, if we're going to have these deep roots, it comes from being anchored next to the source. It comes from the Lord. And as we talk about that, again, part of you guys are like, again, not new. (laughs) Pastor telling me to read my Bible. Like, that should be in community. So here's the thing. I think when people hear that and we see the psalm, nobody disagrees with it. You're like, that, that's right. And then you hear about the work and you're like, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> like, and there's a myth I think I would love to dispel today. that This idea that, hey, I've accepted Jesus. I'm good with God on the day of judgment. So I'm just kind of going to do things halfway. And the myth is that, Doing things halfway takes less effort and is more enjoyable. And I'm saying, I believe in reality, you're going to pay that cost. You can either pay it on the front end or the back end. That doing things halfway is not actually the easier way. Point in case. Oil on your car. Is it, does it cost more and is it harder to change your oil or to not change your oil? Think about that. Like, is it, is it harder and does it cost more to change your oil or to not change your oil? Depends. In the short run, don't change your oil. In the long run, you're going to be overhauling an engine. Does that make sense? Like, there will be a day where you're, you're, the, the, the oil turns to like this plasma sludge and your engine just gives up on you. And now all of a sudden, like the, the 15 minutes at Jiffy Lube seems like it would have been a pretty good investment versus overhauling an engine and walking around everywhere in this Missouri heat, right? Some of you are like, I should probably change my oil. Yeah, you should. Like, that's a right response. It costs something. It's going to take time. But I would beg you, in regards to your car, pay that cost on the front end versus the back end. That's how it works. And I'm saying there is a, 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 a cost associated with not having memorized scripture, not knowing God's word. There's a cost associated by not walking with God, living a life in prayer. Is it hard work on the front end? Sure. But the, the cost that would be paid on the back end, I'm saying, I don't really truly believe it's easier by shortchanging it on the front end in those disciplines. I'm going to do something we don't typically do. I'm going I'm, I'm to actually invite Leah up, uh, and I'm going to have her share a little bit. But as she's coming up, once you think 1 Timothy 4.8, I think it says, uh, physical training is of some value, but godliness holds value in this life and the life to come. You can come on up here. And so 
Physical training is of some value, but this pursuit of godliness holds value in this life and the life to come. And so Leah has been a part of our church pretty much since the beginning. You uh, found Anthem. And so as I was preparing this psalm, thinking of, of Leah's story, at least a portion of it um, from last fall, and I just wanted to give her the opportunity. I was like, I'm unpacking it from God's word. I'm telling you, and now I want you to just hear a testimony of this kind of lived out. And so... Hi, yeah, I'm Leah, um, and a uh, verse that has kind of stuck with me my entire life is Jeremiah 29:13, which says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, and so that really impressed upon me this past year. Jesus really impressed that upon me. Um, I don't know if y'all remember the eclipse. It was amazing and beautiful, and I remember looking at it and being like, in awe of the creator and thinking, wow, like my life could end. Like This would be a spectacular way for the end of the world. And <laughs> yeah, I err on I'm dramatic. Um, but um, so watching that, I was like, if I were to go to heaven right now, I think Jesus would have said, like, I love you. I'm really proud of you. Um, I'm disappointed in how you've lived your life the past year or so, but I, like, I'll still bring you in. I'm just disappointed. And who wants the creator of the universe to say, I'm kind of disappointed in you. Like, I love you, but I'm still disappointed. I didn't want that. And so um, that really just kind of shook me. And I kind of just recommitted to being consistent about reading my Bible. Um, I got really involved in my community group, meeting with Marin. Um, Stan encouraged our community group to share with each other our deepest, darkest secrets. And if you know Marin, she's not afraid to ask the tough questions. And um, we had that conversation about our deepest, darkest secrets. God was like, share this. Like, and it really has changed my life, um, like to air out dark things and um and just like getting involved in the hospitality team and sometimes it's hard like they make us get here really early for hospitality no one shows up an hour and a half before service but we're here and so some mornings it's hard but um god has really been faithful and has really just shown me that um and kept that promise of if i do seek him with my whole heart i will find him and he has kept that promise and anthem has helped me to do that and um I want to encourage you guys to do that as well. Yeah. Didn't you, like, so exactly what I was asking, wanting you to share, but wasn't it, like, even in the clips, you're like, okay, I'm going to put the Lord to the test a little bit on this. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump all in mm-hmm. and, like, Lord, we'll, we'll see how you respond on this. And just to see, and if you knew Leah before that, again, sweet gal, but to see her get involved. And I believe, like, the blessing that you've been to our church family, but even what that's meant for you and your growth. It's just a great testimony of what it is we would want. And now it's kind of fun, like it culminates in here where Psalm 1, in God and his sovereignty, like the coincidence with a capital G, like teaching Psalm 1 today, which is near and dear to your heart, feel like you lived it out. And today is actually Leah's last service here with us before she goes uh, to PA school in Houston for two and a half years. And, um, but thankful to like be able to commission one of our people as she heads out into like the next stage of life, um, having had like this recent season and commitment. And so, man, I want to pray for her and then we're going to transition into communion. Um, but if you would just bow your heads with me, uh, Lord, I do thank you for your word and your promises throughout scripture that those that put their trust in the Lord, will not be disappointed. And Lord, we want to anchor in you, not in temporary things. And we want uh, the blessing that comes from uh, that in this life and in the life to come. And so we thank you 
for that promise. We thank you for Leah and just the living that out. And, um, and Lord, we do just as a church, just pray for her as, uh, as she heads off. Um, uh, God, that you would, um, by your grace, go before her for the next two and a half years uh, of um, PA school, that, God, you would um, bless her time there, that she would be able to find a great church and be involved. And so we lift her up as a sister to you and thankful for her contribution to Anthem. And, uh, Lord, do just pray that more people, um, that we would step out and put you to the test on this, that we would trust you, take your word at its face value, knowing that, that we will not be shaken as we put our trust in you. And so, Lord, we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up. And so we're going to transition into communion. And so here we have God's word, Psalm 1. You have the testimony of Leah, and I'm sure a number of other people could testify to that same thing, that as you put your trust in God, as you pursue him, as you, so to speak, change the oil, like that there is there's so much upside to that. And here's the reality, guys, that if, it, if these things aren't motivation enough, the reality that this is who we're putting our trust in, and we celebrate that with communion, that, that we're trusting in a God that did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely for us, that we can be forgiven. Does that make sense? Like, I think of, of like my girls standing on the edge of, we got the previous owners of our house, like left, left us this above ground pool right? And it's huge and it's a monstrosity to take care of. But my daughters, I think of them like swimming in the backyard with dad and me standing below the ladder being like, jump. Their ability to do that, every bit of that is anchored in who it is that's saying jump. Their daddy who loves them, who cares for them, they can trust that I'm going to catch them. Who is it that is commanding us to be anchored, to pursue him? It's God who did not spare his son, but, but loves us so much, who's saying, jump, trust me in this. And I would just beg us, Anthem, as we take communion today in remembrance of what Jesus has done, his body being broken, his blood being shed, that as you take communion at one of the, the, the stations around the corner of the room, that you would be able to say, in that moment, even at the table, under your breath, God, I, can, I trust you. On the basis of what you've done at the foot of the cross, God, I can trust you. Does that make sense? And so we're going to just do that as we worship together. And Todd, if you want to help bring down the lights, and, the, and we'll just, at your uh, own pace, make your way to one of the tables, and then kind of come back and we'll respond in singing.